Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. He started speaking yet, but you know, God shows up at corporate prayer. Now he's always here, but a lot of, a lot of preparation goes in to the atmosphere before I even stand before you. And I thank everyone for doing their part. Let's pray. Infinitely more. Let's get into this. Give me the thumbs up whenever we're ready. Okay, let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Loved ones, let's say our Bible confession together. Before we crack open the word of God, we always want to say this confession. All right, let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Image number one, you have entered into a conversation that's already in session. And when I say already in session, I mean really, really already in session. The image began in 2022, where we start talking about a vision. Once we came out of what people consider, when I say came out of, came out of the major part of that COVID era, not that COVID's still not bouncing around out there, but we said that we have a vision that we want to make sure everyone grasps. Let's make it plain. That vision had three categories or has three categories, restore, re-engage, and rebuild. Through middle-ish of 2023, we've accomplished the discussion, the detailed discussion of both restore and re-engage. At the close of 23, though, the last late summer through the balance of the year, we didn't jump right into rebuild. We talked about a sub-series, I'm just going to call it a series, called The Door. That series was a primer or a bridge to get us to rebuild, and rebuild is what we're talking about now as of the beginning of 2024. But what was the door all about? I'm glad you asked. Here we go. <laughs> Three main messages. Dead center in the screen. Jesus is the door. He is the door to God. There is no other way to God but through Christ. Amen. Message number two. Because Jesus has given us a commission to get out there and get others into the kingdom, guess what? You are and I am the door to the door. As the door to the door, guess what? God can send us to one or two generic places. He could send us to a familiar place or an unfamiliar place. Amen. When God creates that door in you, when he, when he constructs you, when he sends you out, his expectation is for you to be active, not inactive. His expectation is for you to be an asset to the body, an asset that draws people into the kingdom. 
he expects you, you and I, you, to play a key part in getting people to the door, which ultimately gets them to God. We are going to step back into the rebuild conversation where we left off last session. That's with Joseph. Joseph is having a conversation with his family. And Joseph, at this point in time, is a major force, is someone in, in power in Egypt. This is what he says in Genesis 50. Genesis 50, verse 20, in the voice, even though you intended to harm me, God intended it only for good. And through me, right there, through me, that's an image there mentally of a door. So as you can see right now, God is using Joseph, the rebuilt Joseph, as a door to do what? And through me, he preserved the lives of countless people as he is still doing today. Through the door, God is saving and reaching lives. The same with you and I. Right now, loved ones, though, we want to dedicate the remainder of our time on the opening part there. Joseph is going to say something, and we want to dissect it a little bit to our benefit. What he says in the beginning is very much akin to what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. The voice says this, we are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good and beautiful when we love him and accept his invitation to live according to his plan. Joseph said this, just the opening part. Even though you intended to harm me, God intended it only for good. Joseph is saying that upon reflection. Family, those words are easy to say reflecting back. Looking back on history, those words are easy to say. But what about when you're in the storm? What about when you're going through the problem? What about when you're having the circumstance? What about when the issue is hot and heavy? What about when... Mm, is hitting the fan. Do you think, do you imagine that at that moment in time, Joseph was saying, I believe God is working a good plan through all of this. While in it, He says, even though you intended to harm me, God intended it only for good. And he went through a lot of, as we say, shiitake. <laughs> he went through a bunch of it. From the moment he told his family the vision God had given him, which, by the way, included them all bowing down to him. From the moment that left his mouth and touched their ears, look at what happened. Look at this image. His brothers hated him. And I say he, they hated him more because if you read the account, they didn't like him much to begin with. Why didn't they like him? The second one, his father reprimanded him. I believe that was painful for Joseph because the Bible tells us that Joseph was Jacob's favorite. And that's probably why they ain't like him too much. Because he probably got some benefits they didn't get. At some point, most of his brothers considered killing him. But his older brother, the oldest of the bunch, Reuben, said, don't kill him. So they just threw him in a pit. Then they sold him 
as a slave. While he was working faithfully as a slave, the first lady of the house falsely accuses him of sexual advances. That got him thrown in prison. While in prison, he helped an inmate get out, and all he asked was, when you get out, can you help me get out too? And Joseph sat in the prison for two more years because that inmate forgot, the Bible says. So let me tell you, in this some 13 years of what he went through, do you think the thought that was running through Joseph's mind was, God is working out a good plan here? What about you? What would you be thinking, or what are you thinking? If the family you call your own, the people who your blood, your real blood, the people who are supposed to love and care for you and shelter you, if those people hate you, reprimand you, seek to harm you, are you saying, man, God is working out a good plan here? If you find yourself lied on, somebody said you, do some, you did something that you did not do, and then you have to live with the consequences of that lie. Are you in those consequences saying, Man, God is orchestrating something very, very beautiful here. What about if you help somebody get out of their mess? And then when you think they're going to help you get out of your mess, they, like, they, like, they don't even know you. You helped them when they had a problem. You helped them when they were financially hurt. You helped them when they needed whatever, X, Y, Z, A, B, C. But when your issue came up, they said, see you, ghosted you, didn't even want to talk to you. In their mind, life is good, life is best when they have no problem. But it's okay for you to linger in yours, even though you help them out of theirs. If you're in that scenario, are you sitting back and you're thinking in that moment, whoo-wee, God is working out something good. We posed the original question to you again. What do you think was going through Job's mind at the moment? Because reflecting back, he says, you know what? I see that God intended all of this for good. Do you think that's what he was thinking while he was going through? I do not. I think, I believe, I assume, I imagine that was the last thought going through his head. The Bible, though, although the Bible does not say through each ordeal, that Joseph was anything else but a good, what we call him, a good Christian. The Bible doesn't say he was anything else but a man that stayed close to God. The Bible didn't say he was tripping. The Bible didn't say he fell out of character. The Bible doesn't say he shook his fist at God. The Bible doesn't say he cursed God and, and said, God, I hate what you got me going through. The Bible didn't say he did any of that, but I imagine... I imagine that when he was going through, the farthest thought from his head, from his mind, was that God is working something out good here. I do not believe he was thinking that. Guess what, though? God was. God was working out something good. And the same applies 
to your life and mine. As we go through things in life that are negative, as we're in the middle of it, as we're feeling the effects of it, still smoldering from the flames we just got out of, we must realize that God is working something out good. He's always in control. He's never out of control. You're never out of his sight. He always got his eye on you. And he's working out a plan. Even when it feels like the devil has hit you so hard that your whole life has shifted. It may just be that he is unknowingly positioning you exactly where God wants you to be. We see that in the life of Christ. Consider this, family. When Jesus walked this earth as a man, the devil was always what? Trying to shut him up, trying to discredit him, trying to harm him. In fact, we would call them the religious leaders of the day. He used them to do some very specific things. What did he do? He falsely accused and arrested Christ, wrongly tried and convicted him. What else did he do? He brutally tortured him and inhumanely crucified Jesus on the cross. When Jesus hung his head and died, as we say, at that moment, the devil thought he had the upper hand, but he was wrong. God had the devil exactly where he wanted him. As a matter of fact, in many respects, in most respects, the best thing the devil could have done for Christ was to leave him alone. Amen. God had him exactly where he wanted. I'm not just saying that. Look at what Paul said. In 1 Corinthians 2, easy to read, verses 6 through 8, the Bible says this. We teach wisdom to people who are mature, but the wisdom we teach is not from this world. It is not the wisdom of the rulers of this world who are losing their power. We speak God's secret wisdom that has been hidden from everyone until now. God planned this wisdom for our glory. He planned it before the world began None of the rulers of this world understood this wisdom. Read this last one for me, with me, fam. Let's go. If they had understood it, they would not have killed our great and glorious Lord on the cross. When the devil crucified Jesus, he thought he got, he thought he was gaining he believed he had the upper hand, but he had a slight miscalculation. When the devil did what he did, he thought he was silencing Jesus. But in reality, all he did was made Jesus louder. When the devil did what he did, he thought he was limiting Jesus. But in reality, the only thing he did when he crucified the Messiah was that he made him broader. The devil thought when he crucified Jesus that he was containing him. He was conf confining him. But you know what? 
when he crucified the Messiah, the only thing he really did was made Jesus more free. The devil thought that he was canceling out God's plan. But what he really did when he crucified the Messiah was he unleashed the gospel. He unleashed the gospel. When you consider what we mean by he unleashed the gospel, when the devil, quote unquote, tore Jesus down, so to speak, God took all those torn pieces and rebuilt, rebuilt Christ into the testimony that is the unstoppable message that we call the gospel. And when I say God rebuilt Christ, I'm not saying that just from a word I picked out of thin air. Thin air. Jesus already told us that would happen, that that rebuilding would happen. Look at John. John 2, verses 18 through 22, and the easy to read. Some Jews said to Jesus, show us a miracle as a sign from God. Prove that you have the right to do these things. Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I will. What are those three words? Build it again. The words build again put together. What single word means that? What's, what single word means that? Really, say it from your chest. Rebuild. Okay, that's close enough. I'll take it. Rebuild. So we can use rebuild there from the top. Some Jews said to Jesus, show us a miracle as a sign from God. Prove that you have the right to do these things. Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. They answered, people worked 46 years to build this temple. Do you really believe that you can build it again in three days? But the temple Jesus meant was his own body. After he was raised from death, his followers remembered that he had said this, so they believed the scriptures and they believed the words Jesus said. God took everything Jesus had been through, including the punctuation of his trial and torture and crucifixion, and God rebuilt Jesus into what we know as the gospel. And that rebuilt Christ, the gospel, is such that it causes people to believe. Guess what, family? God does the same thing with you. Just like he took all the pieces and he rebuilt Christ into the gospel, God takes you and all that you are and all that you've experienced, and he takes those pieces and he builds in you a gospel message. He did it for Christ, and he also does it for you. Pause right here for a second. Just linger on this for a moment. And let me share something with you. Because what I've just said is that God builds a gospel message in you. I need to clarify that. I have to clarify it because I need to make sure that when you leave this vicinity, you know exactly what I'm saying. Show of hands, how many of us have been in, around, or associated with church for a large portion of our life? Just wave it. Okay, okay. Second one and the last one. How many of us have grown up 
hearing the word gospel. Okay. Everybody, if not everybody, virtually everybody. What I must do is I must clarify the word gospel. And once we clarify that word gospel, we will move on, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm certain that this will begin to register to you differently. Gospel. Now, what we're going to do is somewhat academic. It's somewhat nerdy, but you've, you've come to expect that from me, I'm sure. You would be surprised if you didn't get a little nerdism every now and then. And I thank you for loving me for it. I do. I'm not joking. Because I know sometimes it can be a bit much. Really, Pastor? Did we have to go through that much detail? But believe me, it's only because I really, 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 really want you to get it. But let's take a look at the word gospel. Not the gospel, but just gospel. Here we go. Gospel. What, 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 what is it? What is that all about? What's the root of that? What's what we're talking about? If you look up the origin of the word gospel, you'd begin with seven letters instead of six. The gospel, that word gospel, that word is six letters. But you would begin with a word, God, spell. G-O-D-S-P-E-L. Focusing just on the God part, the opening three letters of God spell, it would not surprise you that God and the word good share some root. Good is the word God with an O added. God is the word good with an O taken out. So that root right there is easy to grasp. S-P-E-L, the latter part of God's spell, if you were to look into that, it means story or message. With that kind of sinking in, we go back to our question mark. When we look at the word gospel, what in the world is that word saying? Well, here we go. Gospel, taking all the pieces into consideration, is a good story or message from God. That's gospel. When God rebuilt Christ, he rebuilt Christ as the gospel. Likewise, when God rebuilds you, he inserts, he rebuilds you, he uses as a part of your rebuilding something that puts a gospel message in you. What am I getting at in all of this? When God rebuilds you, everybody that God rebuilds has a story worth telling. Now, the gospel is about Christ. A gospel, that's about you. Everybody who God rebuilds has a story worth telling. And that story that you have that's worth telling has a tremendous amount of value. Why? Look at what they say in Revelation. 
Revelation 12, verse 11, King James, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of what? Their testimony. The opening part of that says that they overcame by the blood of the lamb. Hey, the gospel. But then they also overcame by the word of their testimony. Your testimony, your story, your message about what God has done for you, about what he's done in your life, helps others overcome. When God positions you as the door to the door, once you've been rebuilt to be an asset to the kingdom, God does not just want you to share the gospel. God just doesn't want you to share how good he is in relation to the gospel. Yeah, talk about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, talk about God. Talk about Jesus. All of that is a core aspect of it. But God also wants you to share the gospel of you. Your good news. Your good story. Your good message. God wants you to share that because God knows that when you decide to share the gospel of you, that the gospel of you can do something that sharing only the gospel may not do. What is that, Reverend? God, <laughs> don't make me laugh. What, what is that, Pastor? God knows that when you share the gospel of you, that all of a sudden, the person that you're talking to sees the gospel as tangible. It's one thing to talk about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But when you're looking Luther in the eye, when you're looking Ralph in the eye, when you're looking Barbara in the eye, when you're looking Kelvin in the eye, when you're looking Imani in the eye, and they're telling you about the gospel of them, that makes the word more tangible. When you tell somebody the gospel of you, all of a sudden, they look at the gospel and they can see it. They can touch it. They can feel it. They can relate to it. They can see their deliverance through yours. The gospel of you, that thing is an attractor. The gospel of you, that thing is a strong magnetic force. It has a pull that draws others toward the kingdom. And God wants you to share that. God wants you to make sure that the person that you're talking to understands and knows what he has done for you. Amen. It has an attraction. Something happens in the mind and the spirit and the heart of the listener when you stand before them and you tell them, hey, 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 come here close. Let me tell you the gospel of me. Let me tell you what God has meant in my life. Come close. Let me tell you how God has done these things for me. Let me tell you what the blood has meant for me. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit is and does and who he is in my life. When you start talking about the gospel of you, 
people get attracted to the kingdom. What about the gospel of you? It's when you tell somebody certain things. Here we go. When you look at somebody in the eye, here was your next man, and tell them, hey, let me tell you how God saved me. Let me tell you how he forgave me. Let me tell you how he delivered me. Let me tell you how he healed me. Let me tell you how he prospered me. This is, self, this is telling somebody the gospel of you. Drawing them into the kingdom because you're making it relative. You're making it seem as something that is real in real life. It's not just something in the Bible. You're, shell, you're telling them life from your pages. It's different. You're not talking Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians. You're not talking any of that. You're talking about Barbara. You're talking about Richard. You're talking about Benjamin. You're talking about Greta. And in that, you let them know that you are telling them that and that you can witness that because God has done it for you. God has saved me. He's delivered me. Come here. Let me tell you how God is, how, how, how he saw me through. Let me share, share with you how God has remained faithful. How God has given me peace. How God, how he fought my battles. Let me tell you how God, how they say, he picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. Let me tell you how he turned my night into day. Let me tell you how he turned my morning into laughter, into gladness. Let me tell you how the God that I serve has been what? He has been a lawyer in a courtroom. He has been a doctor in a sick room. Let me tell you how he's been a friend like no other. Let me tell you how Isaiah said he's been a shelter in the middle of the storm. He's been a rock in a weary land. He has been water in the desert. Let me tell you about the gospel of me. Come here, let me tell you what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He changed my mind. He saved me just in time. The song says, I'm going to praise his name. Each day he's, he's still the same. Come let me, come help me praise him. Look what the Lord has done. When you're sharing the gospel of you, let me tell you what God has done for me. Statistics say I shouldn't be where I am because of where I come from. But look at what God has done. They say based on where I come from, I should never have been able to achieve what I've achieved. But look at what God has done. After he left me, I didn't think I could survive. But look at what God has done. When she left me, I thought I would be broken forever. But I got with God and look at what God has done. I'm not supposed to have the business that I have because I don't have experience in this business. But my business is successful because I did it with God. Look at what God has done. I'm not supposed to be able to raise a family on my own. But look at what God has done. I'm not supposed to be able to have that kind of degree. Not, my, my grades were so bad in high school, they made up new letters for me. They couldn't even give me an F. They had to come up with something different. But look at what God has done. College graduate with some kind of lauding at the end of it. They said that I only had a year. But 20 years later, I'm still celebrating life. Look at what God has done. 
I'm telling you, my God, he is a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. That is who he is. This is you sharing the gospel of you. God wants you to share the gospel, but it's something about sharing the gospel of you. My heart was broken, and I thought it was broken beyond repair. I thought I would never trust again, but look at what God has done. Look at what God has done. And the punctuation on the gospel of you is this. He did it for me. The same God can do it for you. When God rebuilds you, inside of you, is embedded a gospel. The gospel of you. And God welcomes you sharing the gospel of you. God welcomes it because God in his infinite wisdom, he knows something. What does he know? An image you've seen before, except this time, because we've taken another step, modified. Here we go. God knows that when you open your mouth and you start sharing the gospel of you, it pulls people towards your door. It pulls people such that they have an interest in hearing more about this God, about this Jesus, about this Holy Spirit, about this power of the blood that you're talking about. Jesus told parables. And he told them in such a manner that if you really look into it, when he says, so that in hearing they may not hear. And something like in seeing they may not see. It sounds odd, but the whole crux of that is I'm telling them a story with just enough tantalizing evidence so they will get curious enough to come ask for more. Mm-hmm. That's the gospel of you. I'm not going to lead in with book, chapter, and verse from the scripture, I'm going to lead in with book, chapter, and verse from my life. And that gospel of you is tantalizing enough to get them to want more. God knows that the gospel of you draws people to and through your door where they get to the door and get immersed in full exposure to the gospel. Jesus. The door. And from Jesus, the door, straight to God. The gospel of you is very important. And sometimes we are tight-lipped with it. Sometimes we're tight-lipped with it because, well, we feel it won't matter. Sometimes we're tight-lipped with it and we feel like, eh, it's nothing major. Many times we're tight-lipped with it because I don't want nobody to know I went through that. I don't want nobody to know that happened to me. I don't want nobody to know I lived in my car. I don't want nobody to know that somebody touched me like that. I don't want nobody to know that I used to be broke. I don't want nobody to know that I used to have a, you know, I used to drink. I used to smoke crack. I don't want nobody to know 
I don't know nothing, nobody that I'm supposed to be deacon so-and-so. <laughs> hey, look at this. I'm supposed to be pastor so-and-so. I'm supposed to be usher so-and-so. Newsflash. Anybody who's been living on this earth for any length of time know you done went through something. Now, we all don't go through the same stuff. We all got our own shiitake that we've dealt with. However, you would be surprised for most things. I didn't do no big study on this, but this is just my unction. For most things, I think we would be surprised about how unsurprised people would be if we told our story. If that's the case, the voice in your head saying not, not to say it, not to share the gospel of you, is more likely the devil, not God. If the gospel of you can help with the commission of ushering people into the kingdom, and get this, God is not just concerned with you being saved. Jesus says, I came that you have the abundant life and have it have life and have life more abundantly. That's that's right now. God, God doesn't just want your spirit saved and you going to heaven. Let's get your finances right. Let's get your health right. Let's get your relationship right. All of that, though, comes when they get exposed to the gospel. But that starts with you telling the gospel of you. When you think about the gospel of you, and you think about Revelation where it talked about they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, do you know, when you just tell people the gospel, what you are is merely How about this? This works? Sound good. I'm going to turn this one off. We're going to roll with this. Here we go. When you tell people the gospel, what you are is a mere messenger. And I don't mean mere to be kind of derogatory, but just you're a messenger. But when you tell the gospel of you, you become a witness. And being a witness is more powerful than just being a messenger. The gospel of you, family, is what God is constructing or has constructed in you upon rebuilding you from what you thought were some of your worst days. And everything that the devil had his hands in that put you through those worst days, I'm going to tell you, similar to Joseph and Jesus, the devil is going to realize one day his best move would have been just to leave you alone. Because when God rebuilds, he rebuilds stronger, more confident, mightier. I'll give you a real-life example just popped into my head. Have you ever seen a, let's have to say this. Have you, ever seen, have you ever seen a woman go through a very bad divorce? And at the moment, she seems pretty broken about it. Even the man is like, yeah, she broke. But then God starts to work with her, build her confidence. She begins to see she can stand on her own. All of a sudden, years later, let's say, that same man bumps into that same woman, but it's not the same woman. She's not the same. She might have the same face, but she's changed on the inside. 
Her mindset is different. Her view is different. Her confidence is higher. She has more strength. That's you and I. You may feel when you're going through like you're not going to ever feel any better. But I'm telling you, stick with God. Because when he is done, you will have a gospel message in you that can help others overcome. It's the gospel of you. God wants you to share it. It's of a benefit when you share it. Because it fits well into the chain. It attracts people to and through your door, which brings them before the gospel, which brings them into a right relationship with God. Amen. Let's pray, family. God, I thank you that we all in your hands are people under construction. God, we thank you that you are a master builder. As with any master builder, you put in what's necessary and you remove what's not. We pray that everything that we've gone through, having put it in your hands, even if we consider it bad history, we know as a master builder, you can put that to good use for the kingdom. God, we want to be open to you having your way. Create in us a message. A message that is so powerful that when we share it with others, their desire is to learn more of you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.